Welcome to the Avail Podcast, where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're sitting down with Joel Milgate. Joel is the lead pastor of Curate Church, a multi-site congregation in New Zealand. Today, we'll discuss Joel's inaugural new book, To Lead, a practical guide for leaders in churches and faith-based organizations. So lean in, leaders, and let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Avail podcast, where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. It is a pleasure and an honor to be here once again. My name is Virgil Sierra, lead pastor of Vertical Church, a.k.a. Iglesia Vertical in South Florida. We are one church, two languages. I'm your host for this amazing podcast where we talk to amazing leaders who are doing amazing things today. We have the privilege and honor of sitting down with none other than Pastor Joel Milgate, all the way from New Zealand. Pastor Joel, it's good to have you here on the Avail Podcast. How are you feeling? Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. What a privilege and honor it is. And it's good to see you again after all of these years. (laughs) Yeah, we were just talking about how we met in Bogota, Colombia, South America, uh, probably five years prior to this recording in the year 2018 and here we are connected again for god's kingdom for god's work and i'm excited to talk about leadership with you pastor joel where of course we're going to talk about your new book which is your inaugural book to lead before we jump into that i would love for our avail audience to get to know you a little bit tell us a little bit about yourself oh thank you uh yep my name is joel i am here in new zealand a long way away no doubt for many of the (laughs) listeners on the other side of the world the home of lord of the rings uh which is normally (laughs) what people know new zealand for um and uh me and my wife katie we got four kids um actually the oldest is 21 we got a 16 year old 13 year old a 10 year old the the ages keep changing which is always hard to keep up with as a dad um but love them and we've been in ministry for about 17 years most of our adult life and we've been the senior pastors of curate church for 12 years um so we became pastors at the ripe old age of 25 which i do not recommend to anyone (laughs) hey well all i all i know is that some of us get called into ministry young, which means it's a it's a life of continuous learning and leading. And we learn not just by the successes, but by the challenges and the mistakes along the journey. Uh, man, I love this, Pastor Joel. I, I think I think it's a great opportunity to just um, you know learn. Those seventeen years of ministry have not been in vain, and I think that's why this book was born to lead. A Practical Guide for Leaders in Churches and Faith-Based Organizations. Another beauty from Avail. Can you believe that it's out, Pastor Joel? Talk to us about this journey. Why to lead? Why did you write this book? What's the heart behind it? And how does it feel that it's here? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, Well, I love God, obviously. And I really love his church. And uh, I love leaders because leaders really make the church what it is. And so I know that most of our volunteer leaders in churches, the other people really doing the work, uh, the other mm. people pastoring people, the other people helping people, the other people journeying with people, mentoring people, mm. the other 
running the ministries and most of them don't pick up leadership books you know uh many leadership books it's more like senior pastors uh you know or people in paid sort of leadership and so i wanted to write something for the the people who wouldn't normally read a leadership books book take a whole bunch of stuff i've learned over the years so that these leaders can create really healthy spaces around them and that can contribute to the healthy churches healthy organizations and uh it's, it's maybe the only good thing to come out of COVID for me uh, in some of our serious lockdowns in New Zealand. It gave me a little bit of time just to be like, what have I been teaching leaders over the years um, that's really helped and worked? And I'll take some time to write some coffee chapters so people can sit down and maybe do it in their devotional time and grow their leadership. I love that. You know, I love that. And it's so true. Uh, it's impossible for the lead pastors of a church or the lead pastor to do everything. It's impossible for a small group of people, especially when the church is growing and thriving, you really lean on people who have a calling to, to serve the Lord and at, at every level of the organization. So I love that you're kind of, it seems like you're putting the cookies on the bottom shelf, so to speak. You're, you're bringing something that everyone can consume. Um, let me just mention, I, I really, I, I was intrigued by how the book starts. You, you have this introduction, which basically asks this one question Am I doing this right? Talk to us a little bit about why you started it that way. Well, I think I started my leadership journey young. Like I didn't, I wouldn't, I didn't grow up like a leader. Nobody would have looked at me at high school and thought, you know, there's a natural born <laughs> leader, right? I was, I was shy. I sort of shunned away from responsibility. I was never picked as the captain of any team. I didn't win speech competitions or run for class president or anything like that. But something changed when I met Jesus. And I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I met him in the teenage years and the later teenage years and something got awakened in me. And uh, so I've just been on that journey, but along that journey in different roles, I remember leading my first small group or having to lead, you know, different things at youth camps and that. And I'll just be like, I'll be consumed with this idea. Am I doing this right? Am I getting it wrong? Like, do I know what I need to know? Do I have the right answers? You know, hmm. somebody's been down to lead a small group or a connect group or whatever you call them in your church. It's like, man, you get everybody around for that first time. You've, you've, uh, you've set the space, but then you're like, man, am I going to be able to manage the overdorkers, the underdorkers? Am I going to be able to turn these strangers into friends and family? And I'll be asked this question, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? And I realize it's the wrong question to ask. Mm. Really, it's like, am I willing to lead with Jesus? Am I willing to put up my hand? Am I willing to embrace who I am and trust that God can work through that? And the more I've channeled into that, um, God's taken me in, in amazing places in leadership. And I think that's what he wants to do with all of us. Yeah, I love that. I think you're right. I think so often we're concerned about doing it doing it right or we're not making mistakes where where the bigger question the bigger question specifically is am i called you know am i am i am i willing to do it even if it feels uncomfortable um would you agree uh pastor joel in your experience that a lot of people kind of feel that way at the beginning I think everybody feels that way. I think I'd be wary if somebody didn't probably, you know, there's something healthy about feeling like you can't do it. There's something humble about that. There's something uh, that, that's a, that's a posture of humility to not assume you can, but that you need something of God. You need something beyond yourself to be able to do it God's way. And, but we're not talking about arriving as leaders. There's no destination. There's no like, Oh, now you've graduated mm -hmm. leadership school. 
It's about being on the journey, step by step, with whatever assignments, whatever people, whatever ministries God has placed within your hands. I love that. Um, I think I think when when our volunteer leaders and even even people who are taking significant roles, when they understand that they have permission to step into it and not be perfect at the, at the beginning, I think that's something that really helps. Um, another thing that was interesting to me about about your book to lead, you kind of divide it in two main subsections, right? One is leading yourself. And then the other part is leading others. Why did you do that? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to keep it practical, but obviously we can't create around us what isn't in us. You know, we can't Mm -hmm. give away what we do not have. And so when it came to leadership, it's like, well, before we get into some of the practical things in that back end of the book about leading others, how to recruit people into what you're doing, how to care for people, how to build vision, build culture, these sorts of things. It's like, actually, there's a bunch of things we need to attend to in ourselves first. Uh, when we learn to lead ourselves, there's many of those things that are transferable to others. So really wanted to dig in on that. Something I'm real passionate about people understanding is that who you are as the leader will be the biggest difference maker in your mm. leadership. It's not technique. The technique can be learned by anyone. That's not what separates the great leaders. It's us first becoming people who are strong in Christ, who are healthy in character, who are prayerful, who know the word, who are grounded in those things. It's our example, as Paul would say to Timothy, set an example, you know, mm-hmm. above all else. And so uh, that's that's why I divvied it up that way. Yeah, I like that. And, and specifically, uh, you know, some of those chapters in leading yourself um, do also lean into the spiritual aspect, right? To lead us to pray, to lead us to grow in the word, Um have you ever noticed this in your journey, Pastor Joel, that sometimes we, we kind of get excited about the leadership part, but we forget that we need to invest in the kind of the spiritual part, especially as spiritual leaders. I have found myself, my wife and I, we've learned along the journey making mistakes where maybe we saw great potential and great leadership uh, capacity in someone, but they, they, weren't, they weren't yet spiritually ready. Uh, have you seen that? Have you run into that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think like this is the temptation in our sort of more Western cultures, right? Is we're very pragmatic. We pride mm-hmm. ourselves on pragmatic. There's no problem that can't be solved with process. And, uh, you know, there's some great aspects to that, but leadership's much deeper than that, right? And that people pick up on who we are. That's what gets caught. That's the mysterious part of it. I mean, I just, I think of Timothy, pastoring the church in Ephesus, sent there by his his father in the faith, Paul. By all accounts, it's a huge church. Depends which historians you read. Some say up to 60,000. Some, you know, even if it's 10% of that, it, it's that's a big church that's meeting in homes. It doesn't have, you know, WhatsApp messenger to communicate. It doesn't. And, and so Paul, uh, Timothy steps in to lead that. And Paul writes him a letter and I've been to a lot of leadership conferences and they mm-hmm. tell me a lot of pragmatic things to do. And there's a place for that. I'm, I'm not, I'm not getting down on that. There's a place for that. We need that stuff. But it's interesting that none of that sort of advice is in Paul's letters. Mm-hmm. Paul really focused on who Timothy is, how he's walking that out in himself. And, and those verses in first uh, Timothy four, verse 12, you know, don't let anyone look down on you, but instead set an example for the believers. I just think that's a great call to leadership. Got to be an example above all else. 
Um, mm. We've got to have a faith that other people can catch, can follow, can glean from. We've got to have a depth of spirit, uh, a depth of a, of a well with the Lord. Um, that means there's enough water for others. Yeah, that's good. Um, can you can you remember as you kind of think back? Because I I imagine as you as you were writing this book, a lot of it was a little bit of introspection, um, processing, right? Um, as you were as you were writing it, and even now, as you as you kind of talk leadership, and now you're going to have the opportunity to probably share a lot, even from this book, with a lot of leaders um, in your journey, your leadership journey. Where what what were maybe a couple of those key moments, or what was a significant moment in your leading yourself journey? Whether it was realizing, man, I need to be an example, or realizing I need to learn. Um, what, what what was kind of maybe kind of an awakening or, or, or a, a significant moment in your leading yourself journey? Yeah, that, that's a great question. The first thing that comes to mind is in 2020, in the midst of leading the church through COVID and all of those things, it actually come to the end of like 10 years of phenomenal growth in our church. And I, I, I fully hit the wall. I was fully burnt out. Uh, I was, you know, clinically burnt out. I ended up having to take a step back and it's been a long journey back and I don't wish that on anyone, but I'm sure if there's any pastors and leaders uh, listening, you could probably identify with either some early signs or that, and maybe you've been through that yourself and just really like I was so consumed in my imagination of how I thought of myself as a leader um, with like, I've got to, I've got to do the right things. I've got to make sure all the ducks are aligned. The ministries are aligned together. And like, once again, there's a place for all of that. But I was neglecting and mm. had been neglecting for several years that the most important thing I can be to my congregation is an example of godliness, an example of flourishing, an example, mm sustainability and uh, an example of deep spirituality with God that that above every good strategy and vision is what's going to get created in our church and so um, it was really those those verses in Timothy they really spoke to me about being an example reading the scriptures preaching the scriptures you know being a person of prayer and just just going actually my primary task is to be an example to the people I lead everything else is coming after that as opposed to my primary task is to set the vision to set the culture to like that is setting the culture and the vision and being embodied it i guess in the same way jesus jesus embodied the message that he brought right he this yeah. is look uh, philippians 2 verse 6 right and christ you know he came he gave up his god his god divine privileges and he mm. took on the form of a servant he embodied the very message he brought um and so we need to do that as leaders chaos many are opposed to it but the best of leaders realize that this is one of their most powerful leadership tools introducing leadership expert and renowned author sam chan's newest book how leaders create chaos and why they should in this groundbreaking new book, Sam Chan shares decades of his leadership wisdom with readers and equips them with a new understanding of why the best leaders create chaos. Discover powerful leadership strategies and uncover practical insights that will revolutionize the way you lead and think. From organizational best practices to how to build up the perfect team, this book will empower you in every area of your leadership. Invest in yourself and dive into Sam Chan's newest book by visiting samchandchaosbook.com. 
Bluehost.com. Yes, good what you're saying. I think I think your word is a word that that should be a, a, a word of warning even uh, because the idea for all of us, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've you've been wise to learn from other people's mistakes as well. So I don't want to fall in the same hole. And uh, and what I'm hearing from you is, you know, you had a, a moment in 2020 where a lot of things had to come into perspective regarding your soul, regarding your health and 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 uh, and priorities in your leadership. I have a question. Uh, I, you know, I, I've had the opportunity of meeting you and, and I met your wife as well. And uh, when we met in Bogota and um, I, I don't know, I, I feel like those of us that are in leadership and we're married, uh, sometimes sometimes our spouse can really <laughs> can kind of see it. Uh, better than we can in ourselves. Uh, um, does that relationship, you know, with your wife play into play and come into effect maybe in, in understanding your leadership and, and, and where you are as far as healthy, unhealthy? Absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't still be here if it wasn't for my wife, that's for sure, for many, many different reasons. But this was one of the things we had to confront in the middle of uh, burnout and those sorts of things is I was charging the hill. I was going for it. We were taking ground. We had all these locations yeah. as a church. We were expanding. And uh, one day my wife looked at me and said, oh, I don't want this. You know, I don't, mm. like, I want to serve the Lord. I want us to plant churches, but I don't want us to keep doing it this way. We're not going to be able to do it forever if we do it this way. And for me, being willing to slow down and, uh, in some ways, let her set the pace, uh, like in the sense of like, you know, if we're going to walk together, we have to walk at a pace we can both walk at. Um, <laughs> and just learning to, you know, that requires a little bit of compromise on both sides, but it actually meant in this season a lot more from me and trusting that actually if we, you know, slow is smooth and smooth is fast in that sort of sense. If we slow down, yeah. we might actually be able to be a greater release of what God wants to do. And I think people can identify with that. I think many of us probably have had, I don't want to assume where everyone's listening from, but models of ministry of just unsustainable paces, models right. of leadership that are more focused on what people can do for the church than about actually helping them really flourish in the Lord. And we're assuming if they're involved and then they give in and they connect with that, they're flourishing in the Lord. But it's more complicated than that. <laughs> and uh, just pay, being willing to ask those questions and pay attention to those things. Yeah, that's huge. I, I love that you mentioned that. It's, I, I sound like I'm here. I'm hearing the conversations that me and my wife are having. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I can remember so many times, and it ever comes up every once in a while where my wife will say, I, "I can't run at the same pace, and neither can our family." And and I and I would and I would venture to to, to say part of part of leading yourself is being aware of how you're leading your family, because ultimately uh, we can think about leading the organization. Uh, but if our, if our family marriage relationship with our kids um, is, is not healthy uh, or going at a sustainable pace, then, then eventually something's got to give. Um, I think it's important what you, what you just mentioned. Um, I want to transition to kind of like the, the second part of the book mm -hmm. where you have chapters that focus in on leading others. And, uh, you know, there's chapter titles like to lead is to own it. Actually, that one catches my attention. Can you talk a little bit about to lead is to own it? Absolutely. Um, like own it's my sort of way of just talking about take responsibility. Leaders, leaders take responsibility for a desired future and they influence other people to help create it. That's sort of my definition of leadership, you know, mm -hmm. Influ uh, responsibility for a desired future and 
taking responsibility to help create it, influencing other people to help create it. I'm stuffing up my own quote there, but uh, that's that's fine. But that, this is the idea of like generally the most important thing entrusted to us as leaders is the people, right? Obviously, if you're a pastor, even if you're yeah. a small group leader, whatever, you're entrusted with a flock or a portion of a flock, uh-huh. and it's people and uh, you know like in sports right i don't know baseball or something like that and it, it is when the ball's in the air somebody's got to yell mine somebody's got to go i got this it's mine yeah. right and we don't want to be leaders that are saying yours or not mine <laughs> uh you know <laughs> because that creates confusion so understanding what god and really when i say what who god is entrusting to us and learning to own that in a healthy way is in take ownership, not own them. They're not our people, they're God's people. But take yeah. ownership in a healthy, under-shepherd way, not in a hireling way, John 10, you know, when the wolf comes, the hired hands flee, but the good shepherd sacrifices mm. his life for the sheep. And so as leaders, I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I'm going to say mine, and I'm going to make sure these people, like as a pastor, if I'm entrusting leaders to a portion of the flock that's entrusted to us i want to know that above all they've got the people they know them they know what's going on in their life they're praying for them they're walking alongside them and anything that's coming up that's beyond their ability to help in journey they're asking for more help because such is their sense of care for what's entrusted to them and you know you can't be a leader if you don't own own it with the people yeah, I love that. Good. Take responsibility for the people that you've been entrusted with. I love, I love that. I love that. I, I have a question for you, Pastor Joel. L- let's just say, let's just say, right now we had a group of, you know, a hundred young pastors who are entering into a into an upcoming season of great growth in the ministry, for example. Um, when it comes to leading others, what would you say are, are a few of those top on the list? Hey, this is something you're going to need to get ready for. This is something you're, you're going to need to prepare for regarding leading others. And, and, and first thing that comes to your mind, whether it's leading the staff, leading the organization, leading the people, but what, what are those things where if they asked you, Pastor Joel, what advice do you have for pastors who are going to enter into a season of, of significant growth uh, and, 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 and they want some advice on leading others. What are some things that come to the top of your list? Yeah, a few things. It's a great, great question. I think humility. You have to be willing to actively and publicly practice humility. Hmm. This is not something we've been taught in previous generations or modeled. It is something that is needed, displays of humility, displays of being willing to take feedback that's hard to hear, sit in mess that's uncomfortable to sit in, um, recognize and own where you got it wrong or where you failed or where you've let people down and not wallow in that, you know, not mm-hmm. not lose yourself in that, but, but to truly humbly you know, own that. Um, I think God's really looking for people. God can trust people who are humble and people can trust people who are humble. There's there's something about that that just, 
Uh, you know, we talk about pride as being full of yourself, right? There's no space in your life. You're full of uh-huh. yourself. There's no room for others' opinions. There's no room to trust others. But we're, humility is about being emptied of self. And that creates nice. space. And what that space does is as we empty it of ourselves, it, it sort of vacuums people in. It, it draws people into that space. So humility, practicing it, practicing it publicly, uh, I think we're in a time where, you know, there's a lot of things where God's realigning his church, where God is wanting, um, he's wanting to have his way in his church, right? And we've got different structures and systems that do need to be challenged and re-looked at, and uh, some of them need to be repented from and changed. And so I think we have to be willing to listen. That's part of humility. But that these processes are messy, are really messy when God's realigning things. And so as leaders, we need to be up for it. I think it would be easy for some leaders to look at some of the great leaders of, of previous seasons and be like, I just want to be like that. I want to be able to do it like that. But I mm. think there's something new that God is doing and we have to be able to embrace some new things there. Um, and I think this is a time too where we really need to equip the church, equip the people we're leading to follow Jesus seven days a week. You know, understanding that most people's primary ministry is not church-based activity, but Mm -hmm. is their scattered church-based activity. It's their vocational life. It's their family life. And as as pastors, we need to get way better at helping to lead people towards Jesus in everything that they do, rather than just trying to gather them into the house and get them busy in the house. We need to find ways to release them into the world where they can have a vibrant sense of purpose and spirituality uh, out there. Yeah, I love that. Well, one of the things uh, I remember last year here at Vertical, we had a series called uh, Connecting Sunday Faith to Monday Work, right? Connecting Sunday Faith mm-hmm. to Tuesday Home, right? Uh, so I love what you're saying. I'm hearing, I'm hearing here that your advice is humility. You need humility if you're going to enter a season of growth as a leader. You need to be willing to listen and embrace the fact that some things may have to change or be restructured. And I'm also hearing that we need to equip people to be disciples the rest of the week, not just on Sunday or whatever, whatever day they go to church, uh, which has to do with, with the concept of, I'm not just a Christian on Sunday. I'm a, I'm a disciple every day. Um, this is huge. There's one of the, uh, one of the chapters that you have that I also really like. I kind of like the way you've worded it is to lead is to ch- to shape culture. Uh, I know I know that there's a lot of talk about culture and you know in leadership and organizations and and I'd love to hear a, a little bit of of kind of your heart uh, and your thoughts on to lead is to shape culture. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know I've been about part of a lot of once again conferences, training things. We've talked a lot about culture, version, values. You know, what's our unique culture? What's our style? What's our whatever? That that stuff's all co- all good, all cool. I'm for that stuff. I think there's a lack of talking about what is kingdom culture. Nice. And what is that supposed to look like in our churches and faith based organizations? Because Yes, we're going to have some unique marks. Yes, we're going to have some unique emphasis on on the way that God is calling this unique group of people to express that. But it's all kingdom culture trumps any values we put on the wall, anything. And anything we do like that should only reflect kingdom culture. 
Mm. And we could look at kingdom culture lots of different ways. Obviously, we look to the person of Jesus. So we want to lead like Jesus above all else. How did Jesus mm. lead? You know, um, but we'll look at the fruits of the spirit might be another great, great uh, place to look. And, and even just the first three, love, joy, peace, because without those, you can't create kindness, gentleness, you know, anything else anyway. They're all expressions of love, joy, and peace. So I think when we're talking about culture, small group leaders, pastors, whoever, you know, how do we foster kingdom culture? How do we foster this true fellowship? How do we foster a devotion to the Lord? How do we foster, you know, conflict resolution that leaves people reconciled and filled with love, joy, peace? Mm -hmm. Um, These are the great challenges uh, but if we're if we're setting kingdom culture, doesn't matter what organization we're part of, we're setting the right culture. Mm-hmm. That's huge. I, you know, I, I'd love to hear 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 from you as you as you kind of look back at Curate Church, the church that you pastor. Right? Can you give us maybe a practical example of of a moment where you and your team really you really enacted on this on on shaping kingdom culture and and man what a difference it made can, can you give us an example of of uh, of maybe maybe it, maybe it was a moment where you shifted the way you did something or you changed the previous system to to really kind of say we're going to give this importance uh, not so much the organizational culture but the kingdom culture aspect of uh you know the spiritual culture of the of the church yeah i mean i could uh, one one example. I've got I'll maybe two examples I'll, I'll give. One mm-hmm. is a few years ago, we wanted to change some of our leadership structures, and uh, from you know the way the church is governed at an eldership at a at a board level to the way the staff are structured and those sorts of things, and what that meant to really like we wanted to go through that process in a truly kingdom way, not in a corporate way, but a kingdom way. Mm-hmm which meant that we had to learn better, not just how to discuss things around a boardroom, but to discern God's will together, genuinely, Mm. where we lay things down and uh, where we learn to hear God together and not argue for our own positions or our own endeavors or the portions (laughs) of the church church we feel obligated to represent. But we're able Mm. to really lay those things down and go, God, what do you want? And uh, so we had to bring in some people from the outside. I love Ruth Haley Barden's book about this, pursuing God's will together. And we really want to go, let's change the way we make decisions uh, so that we're doing it in a way where people don't leave feeling like, yeah, we agreed in the end, but gosh, it was an aggressive process. Get in there. You know, <laughs> but where we go, actually that whole process felt God-breathed, God-centered, kingdom-expressed, you know, um, we didn't just arrive at the right outcome, but we were Christians on the way there too. <laughs> um, that that would be one way how we make decisions. That's I mean, cool. Even now we're going through some major crisis as a church and uh, had to call all the leaders together this week and just, you know, bear my heart around those things, practice humility, admit what's not going well, invite them into prayer, not try to have a PR stunt and, a you know, a corporate sort of wash over of it. Nothing to see here. The reality is there are some things to see here and we're trying to wade through them and we've got to do this as a church family, not as a church corporation. Mm, I love that. You know what I'm hearing uh, as we've, as we've had a chance to kind of talk about this, you know, in your book to lead, it seems like, it seems like it really is kind of an authentic approach 
uh, to holistic leading, not just the culture, the organizational culture leadership, but the heart and the and the spiritual, like you're saying, the king shaping the kingdom culture. I love that because um, I think it's easy it's easy to sway to one side, especially especially depending on you know uh, your personality or if a person just really is leans towards you know leadership, which I think is great and is important. But having the kingdom aspect uh, is huge, is huge, huge, huge. What well, you know as we as we kind of had the final stretch here, Joel. And in a second, I'm going to ask you a couple kind of quick response questions that I want to hear from you. But before we get to the final stretch, um, why, why do you think to lead this book? Why do you think it's so valuable? And, and why do you why would you want so many leaders, whether they're volunteer leaders to start church staff or ministry leaders? Why, why do you want them to get this book? Well, I, I think leaders are the heartbeat of our churches and organizations and probably like most churches, we could do better having better pipelines for training, for development, for upskilling, for unity, for those people who are leading on the front lines as volunteers in that way. And so I wrote this as a way of helping those leaders. I wrote it so it could be a resource for churches to use maybe as a part of their development strategy or a pre-deployment training. Uh, that's what it's there. It's it's really there to help. I tried to write in a way that would serve any church, no matter what the culture is, um, because we, we just want to see these people flourishing. If, if leaders can flourish and not just lead for a year or two, but lead for 20 or 30 or 40 in our churches, oh, the, the possibilities are endless, right? If we can not burn people out and fatigue people, but learn, get people leading over the long term, generationally, intergenerationally, oh, you know, we could begin to imagine the impact. Yeah, that's good. I want to, I want to lead people in the right direction. Um, what's the best way for people to get this book to lead uh, and even connect with you? What are, what are the best ways to do that? Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure you can get it wherever good books are sold. I think that's the line <laughs> authors are supposed to say. Uh, absolutely. But you can also go to joelmillgate.com. That's Joel Millgate. I only have one L in Millgate. Uh, joelmillgate.com you can get that there you can connect with us there um and i'm on social media and those sorts of things i'm i'm pretty sure it's just at joel millgate as well and uh you can listen to different messages we have on youtube and, and all sorts of things that's very good joelmillgate.com everybody um if, if people want to know more about the church in new zealand curate church what's the website for that i think it's curatechurch.com um so that should be all there too. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you that. So thank you for bringing that in. Um, I, I'm going to mention this, Pastor Joel, just because we at Avail, our heartbeat is also yeah. Christian leadership, right? Uh, if you're listening or watching right now, the Avail Journal it comes out quarterly. As far as I'm concerned, it is the best Christian leadership magazine out there right now. The quality, the content. I, I just saw something in here. Look at that guy. I see here. Here he is. Woo! <laughs> here we are. Pastor well, my Joel good friend has Michael a... Murphy was on the cover there. <laughs> yep, yep. And this is this is uh, an article that you wrote in the most recent Avail Journal called "Own It: Embracing the Sacred Trust of Leadership." Great, great content. The Avail Journal. By the way, everybody, we want you to try a free trial subscription by going to Avail Journal where we're going to bless you with something on the front end. We'd love for you to do it. Availjournal.com. Would you agree, Joel, that the Avail Journal is a great resource for leaders? 
Absolutely, it's filled with so much gold. Look at even those issues behind you and the amazing people that have contributed. <laughs> yeah, they, they're amazing leaders and great content. Availjournal.com. All right, this is kind of a quick response uh, as we as before we go to your final thought or final nugget, Pastor Joel. Real quick, real quick, what makes you laugh? <laughs> oh, all those funny memes on online, all the memes. Uh, I especially love the ones that poke fun at the church and all of the things we find sacred. I enjoy it. All right, good, good, good. Okay, here's another one. What do you do? What do you like to do for fun? I am a golfer and a surfer, and I'm pretty average at both, but I enjoy it. <laughs> all right, what? What breaks your heart? Mm. Oh, so many things break my heart. Look, what breaks my heart is people far from Jesus above all else. Yeah. What excites you or encourages you about the future? I think God is moving through his church globally. He's doing something very special and, uh, it looks pretty messy right now, but I think some beauty is going to rise from the ashes. I agree 100%. Pastor Joel, what do you want to leave on the Avail audience's hearts? We've had an opportunity to talk about your book, To Lead. Uh, it's been a great conversation. Uh, as we finish things off, what, what, what do you want to leave everybody with? I want to encourage people. I think I write about this at the end of the book um, around saying yes to the call of leadership but learning to treat the call like a dimmer switch, not like an on and off switch. Life mm. is hard. It's hard to follow God for the distance. That's why the Bible calls us to endure. And as leaders with the different pressures and changes in seasons, we're so tempted at times to go, to, to bow out, to flick the off switch. I can't keep doing this. But I want to encourage you to ride the dimmer switch. You know, there might be times that you've got capacity and you wind it right up right. And there's other times that you wind it down. Um, but don't turn it off. Stay in the game in some way, shape, or form. And trust, like Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He has the grace for you for every season. Don't give up. Just keep saying yes to the Lord. Whew, what a great illustration. I love that. Say yes to leadership dimmer switch approach as opposed to on off switch. I love it. Uh, Pastor Joel, this has been a great conversation. Uh, I want to just mention on behalf of our whole Avail team, uh, our founders, Dr. Sam Chan, Martine Van Tilborg, everybody who's behind the Avail uh, family. We want to say that we're proud of you. We honor you. We, we're so excited about your first book and uh, we love what God is doing in your life. Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot. Yes, sir. Hey, everybody, I hope you've been encouraged. This has been an awesome conversation talking about Pastor Joel Milgate's inaugural book, To Lead, a practical guide for leaders in churches and faith-based organizations. Go to joelmilgate.com so you can get your copy and share it with somebody. Share it with your team. It's going to be a great resource for you. On behalf of Avail, everybody, my name is Virgil Sierra, lead pastor of Vertical Church, Iglesia Vertical in South Florida. I'm your host, on the Avail Podcast, where a new, fresh, hot episode comes out every week. Can't wait to catch you next time right here on the Avail Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Avail Podcast with our guest, Joel Milgate. You can connect with Joel on social media, and you can get his book at joelmilgate.com. 
For more leadership resources, check us out at theartofleadership.com. And make sure to claim your free trial subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. As always, I'm your Avail podcast host, Virgil Sierra. Muchas gracias. Thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail podcast.